on your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 25th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with WA under-18 star Kate Bartlett, Canadian Northern Lights footballer Caroline LeDoux, Geelong Cats Ruck Erin Hoare, plus our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox, Alison Schiller, Aaron Russell and Lauren Hodgson. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 25th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season on the air. And a quick reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from about quarter past six on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or by downloading the RSN Racing and Sport app. A bit of footy news first before we go to our interviews. The fixture has been released for the AFL International Cup 2017 to be held in Melbourne from early August. Who plays who in the women's division? That is all available on the girlsplayfooty.com website. Go and check it out and go and support those international teams that are travelling to Melbourne with the first matches beginning on August 6th. We have also got for you all the latest on the AFLW under-18s carnival that was played last week, including who are some of the better players and who has made the All-Australian squad. You'll find that on our website, girlsplayfooty.com. To our first guest, now she was a player that participated in the AFLW under-18s competition, not just this year at the championships in Queensland and uh, earlier being held in Sydney, but also as well playing in the Melbourne version of the National Carnival last year. She is a triple premiership player with the Peel Thunderbirds youth girls side. It's great to have on the line Kate Bartlett. KB, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Great to have you on the line. Now, before we talk about the Under-18s Championships, let's take a step back in time for a moment. Um, how did you first get involved in footy? Um, well, my family uh, are very passionate about their football, and ever since I could walk, my brother Josh made sure that I had a football in my hands, and we would always play out in the backyard together. Um, and then I played Auskick and junior footy with the boys at Safety Bay Football Club which is also the same club that Adelaide Premiership captain Chelsea Randall played for. And I then played over 50 games for the club, but then I stopped playing at the age of 11 for about a year. And then I got back into it at high school. And whilst I was playing at high school level, uh, coaches of the Peel Thunderbirds youth girls team Lee Elder and Ellie Lambkin asked if I would like to come and play for them. And, yeah, from that point on, everything took off from winning three premierships, um, playing with some of my best friends, and through to getting best and fairest and representing WA at both State 16s and State 18s levels. Fantastic. And, and just stepping back one second, you, you said you played in high school. I mean, this is going back three, four, five years, obviously before AFLW has really kicked in to, to gear. How many girls were, were playing high school footy with you back then? Um, we had a full team, actually, probably your standard 22 each week, but there wasn't really a goal um, for it. Um, now that the AFLW has come in, uh, you work a little bit harder and all that for that overall goal. Now, Kate, as you mentioned, you were recruited to the Peel Thunderbirds and they've been very successful at youth girls level. They've won three flags in a row. What do you put that down to? I think that we had a lot of talent across the group at Thunderbirds and 
I believe we had a really strong group cohesion, which was undeniably essential for our group. And throughout those three years we that we were successful, we had a different coach each year. And having a strong uh, group cohesion helped us to be successful because we had different coaching methods each year and our cohesion made it easier to adapt. And I guess as a unit, we all knew our roles week in, week out. And even now, um, with a lot of players like myself moving up to play senior level, the group at youth girls level is the cohesion is still there and the talent coming through at Thunderbirds is something definitely to look forward to and a lot of the girls coming through are um, competing at the upcoming State 15s so they're definitely something to look out for for the future. As you alluded to earlier, you played under-16s and, of course, now under-18s for WA. So can you tell us about that experience representing your state on the national stage? Yeah, it's an awesome experience. And this year's State of Ains Carnival came with a lot of excitement and the build-up to the week. And it's always a great opportunity to play and test yourself against the best talent across the country. And I think because the carnival for Western Australia started in Sydney before heading to the Gold Coast, I think it was a good opportunity for WA to bond as a team um, and having this carnival split across the two states meant we learnt from our earlier games that took place in Sydney and that helped us to pre- prepare for the opposition in Gold Coast. But what I really liked about um, travelling from Sydney and Gold Coast is the travel aspect and it kind of gave us a small representation of what the AFLW will be like. Indeed, because uh, if you played for Fremantle, for example, there would be a lot of travelling. And, of course, you played in last year's Carnival where you did make it to the grand final. Unfortunately, the result didn't go your way. But what was that experience like running out onto the MCG representing WA? Oh, that was definitely the best feeling in the world and kind of like a dream come true. Like, you'd, you'd never you'd never think you were going to play a game on the MCG and that was just an amazing experience. Like, the result obviously wasn't what we wanted, but we learnt from that coming into this year and I think we really wanted to prove ourselves to Vic Metro at the carnival and we did to get payback pretty much. This uh, championships has been a lot of uh, focus on it because now when it comes to AFLW draft, everyone's looking at the best under-18s that are running around. You've been out there, you've played with them. What's some of the best opposition that you came up against that caught your eye? Um... There was definitely a lot of talent across the board in all states that competed, but the likes of Ruby Blair from Queensland, her football smarts were tough to compete against. And I think Daria Bannister from Tasmania was a workhorse in the midfield for the Allies. But definitely a standout for me was Maddie Prasparkas from Vic Metro, who's who's brilliant and her work ethic throughout the carnival and Willingness to put her head over the ball was inspiring to watch and compete against, and the result for her efforts resulted in receiving the best player of the carnival, and that was amazing to watch. And it's also great um, to come against, come up against the players that I had built relationships with at the AFLW Academy. So seeing them perform and competing against them was, yeah, very exciting. As you mentioned, uh, during the summer, you got to train with a select number of uh, women at the NAB AFL Women's Academy. What did that involve? Um, the academy uh, was a really great opportunity. Um, 
We learnt off the likes of Astra Connor, Katie Brennan and Renee Forth and it was a great experience to be a part of. Um, we took part in testings, skills and mentoring sessions. Um, we got the chance to listen and learn off of AFLW players such as Daisy Pierce, Melissa Hickey and Darcy Vestier, which I think was very beneficial for all of us. But And I think that was the standout from the camp, was learning and taking in the advice from all the AFLW players, but also the friendships created during the academy um was it was good to catch up with all of them last week at the Saturdays carnival on the gold coast as you mentioned earlier with the pill thunderbirds you've managed to take the step up to senior football and you've played some games in the waWFL uh, league competition if I'm correct four games for 10 goals how, how have you found the step up to senior football yeah so I did get the chance to play a couple of ga- league games last year. But, however, being permanent this year, it's definitely been a good learning curve and a good experience, especially playing against the likes of Fremantle's captain, Cara Donnellan, and all the other AFLW players in the competition. And I guess I've tried to make my mark against those who have played in the AFLW in um, the Waffle League by trying to match myself up against them, and that's been really exciting and a good challenge. Look, everyone is their own best critic. So if you were to look at your own game, what do you think you still need to improve on? Um, I'm always looking for ways to improve my game um, by working and pushing myself. There's always something to improve on no matter what. And at the moment, I'm actually working on my forward pressure and pack marking. Um, I believe if I can work on these skills, it can help create more opportunities, not only for myself, but for my teammates in the forward line. Now, the AFL women's draft is different to the men's. It's obviously a state-based draft. You nominate for the state that uh, you would like to be picked up in and uh, play in. Obviously, in Victoria, there's four teams to choose from. The other states, uh, each team has their own exclusivity to that pool. Uh, for yourself, because you're based in WA at the moment, are you going to nominate for the WA draft pool or are you still reviewing your options and looking at other states? Um, I will be nominating for draft, but at the moment, um, my focus is playing at the Thunderbirds and I guess I'm definitely enjoying my football at the moment whilst trying to, um, work hard in my final year of school. But however, in regards to like the draft and I'm definitely willing to play anywhere in the country. Um, my brother has recently moved across to the, um, East coast and, I've always wanted the opportunity to play football at the highest level, so I'll go anywhere if the opportunity arises. Uh, For the AFLW recruiters out there listening, what do you think you bring to a side that could help them in their aim for the ultimate glory of the Premiership flag? Um, I think my decision-making, my skills, competitive nature and work ethic could see me fit into an AFLW side well. And being a forward, I believe my ability to be cool-headed and reliable in front of goal can also be beneficial. And if given the opportunity, I definitely look forward to learning off the well-established players and coaching staff at the elite level. Well, Kate, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the WAWFL uh, League Division for 2017 and, of course, uh, the upcoming uh, All-Stars Games, which are, which are on September 2, and, of course, the NAB AFL Draft in October.
Thank you for having me. As mentioned at the top of the program, the AFL International Cup fixture has been released. The tournament getting underway on Sunday, August 6th. For all the details, go to girlsplayfooty.com. One of the sides participating in the tournament in the women's division is the Canada Northern Lights. They are the reigning champions. In their pool A, they've got the Great Britain Swans, Pakistan, and their first opponents being Fiji. Uh, The top two teams in that group will meet the top two teams from Pool B for the semifinals and then the grand final at Etihad Stadium on Saturday, August 19th at 4.30pm. It is great to have on the line a debutante to the Northern Lights. She only took up footy last year when she played with the Montreal Angels in Quebec. It's great to have Caroline Ledoux. Caroline, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Fine, and you? Not too bad at all, thank you. Thanks for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. Now, before we talk about how you picked up the football, of course, uh, you're a talented sportswoman. Your sporting career started many years ago playing basketball. Yeah, I started playing basketball when I was 10. And uh, then I played many years and played four years in college, three of them with Valumo. And um, and then I continue uh, playing but Senior League. And, uh, yeah. Great to hear. And then, as you said, uh, like many sportswomen, uh, you decided to take up another sport as well. And I think, was it about 2012 you decided to take up soccer? Yes, I was looking for another challenge after basketball. So, yeah, I tried to uh, play soccer for uh, a season in 2012. And uh, it, well, I, I like it. I like it. But I stopped playing that after that, that season and I started again in 2015. It was around 2016 that you started to take up Aussie Rules football. Now, who introduced you to the game? Actually, what is funny is that I went to Australia for a month in August 2014 to join Valerie, who was doing a four-month student exchange over there. And we never heard of Freddie while we were in Australia, and we had no idea that Canada was winning its IC14 title at that moment. But it's only a couple months after being back in Montreal um, that I saw my Facebook news feed a post from an Australian sharing uh, something about a coming try footy in Montreal. It was about in February 2015. And I remember asking Val if she wanted to come with me. And she said that she was already thinking about giving it a go as uh, she had been recruited by a basketball referee uh, a month before. So uh, we decided to go together. But I was leaving for a two-week trip in California. And unfortunately, I sprained my neck during that trip, so I, I told Val that I couldn't do any contact sport for a while and that I'll give soccer a second try instead. So, well, she went and she fell in love with the sport. And for months, she, she kept telling me how much she loved it, even more than basketball. And that, like we said earlier, it's the sport that we've been playing our entire life and that we played together. And at that time, I couldn't understand how it was possible to like another sport more than basketball. But now I do understand. <laughs> but uh, like every Sunday for the whole 2015 season, she kept asking me uh, to come to play in her team and also even for the U.S. national in Texas. Well, <laughs> I thought she was crazy. I couldn't understand like how I could come and start playing in a game with no prior practice, like a sport that I've never seen and that I was not able to understand even like a little bit how I was playing. So, yeah, and uh, she kept asking me, and I met a couple of other AFL Quebec players in the off-season, and uh, I ended up uh, going to practices in March 2016. 
And then, of course, uh, you pulled on the jumper for the Montreal Angels in the AFL Quebec competition. Uh, like you said, when you started training in March, what was the hardest part you found about football to try and pick up and learn? Well, for a basketball player, like not being able to dribble a ball, it's really um, frustrating. <laughs> and I, like, I could, I could not dribble the ball. It was going all over the places, and uh, yeah, it was really difficult. Um, kicking, I was not that. It was not that bad because I played soccer a little bit, but it's kind of really different. But what was the easiest part was catching a ball because it's like second nature for a basketball player. And of course, it came to you uh, all naturally because you had uh, one heck of a 2016. Uh, you were named Rookie of the Year. You won the Coaches Award, and uh, you were named in the AFL Quebec Team of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a great year, and uh, yeah, I, really, I was really happy that I started uh, to play footy. It was a really challenging year, and uh, it was really amazing. Yeah. Of course, around September they had the uh, Northern Lights camp. Of course, uh, women that wanted to train to play for the Northern Lights and for the Midnight Suns. Uh, do you remember getting invited down? And, and how intimidating was it to play with some of the best players in Canada to try and train with them to get a spot on the national team? Uh, I try to not to think too much about it. I during the se- the during the the, su- the summer I worked hard to improve like my kicking and hand pass skills, and I went to the selection camp with no expectation, but just to give the best I could. And um, so yeah, it was a bit intimidating at first, but you forget that uh, easily because everyone is so friendly and is all everyone is very very welcoming and you feel uh, that you're part of the group um so it's really nice and uh, yeah it made me forget that it was a a selection camp your first traveling with footy happened in october last year where you uh, with some of the quebec girls went down to uh sarasota florida to play in the usafl nationals how did you find that experience Oh, it was really uh, nice because we played on a huge field and there was like a lot of team around and it was nice to watch um, different lo- different level of footy. And uh, yeah, it's, it was really nice and um, um, it just gave me a little uh, preview of what of m- it could maybe be in IC. I know it's not close to it, but it was, uh, it was really nice. Talking about having a preview of what I see will be like, I believe at the last moment you got called up to help with the Midnight Suns in London. Yeah, I got the news uh, like a week before the tournament, so it was really short notice, but it was a great opportunity to improve my skills and my game knowledge in preparation for the IC. So I went and um, I had I had I got the chance to learn from two great. Uh, Amy Lego and Lara Hilmi, who were uh, acting as player coaches for the Midnight Sun. And um, uh, she also, based in Montreal, had have, have the chance to train with Amy on a weekly basis. And she's a great player and she's inspiring. And I've, loved, I've learned a lot um, at her contact during the past month. And uh, for Lara, she's, um, it was the first time I met her and uh, she was also truly amazing and uh, she her best on ground award in London was really well deserved and um, like Amy and her were both uh, players that were at the IC14 and they were so inspired by the example they gave us in giving everything they had on the field but they were also um, great at coaching us on the field and um, 
I've learned a lot during those three games. And I will always remember like the feeling I had when I scored my first goal for the national program against uh, Great Britain. But more than that, I've always I will always remember the incredible feeling that we had um, as a team when the whistle blew for the last time at the end of that game. And uh, we just threw ourselves on one another and we sang our team song, which was pride and joys. And it really was an amazing moment. And London was an amazing experience. And I can only imagine what it's like to represent Canada in a bigger international event, such as IOC 17, with a lot more national teams from all around the world. And uh, as I'll be joining a number of very talented and uh, established players from everywhere in Canada, including like some players that have been playing multiple IC, um, I have no expectation other than enjoying the experience and learn from the best player in the world, Canadian ones, but also from other countries. Um, be part of the squad and help defend our title is a big privilege and I intend to make the most of it. So, but yeah, London um, was a good preview for what it could be at the high C17, yeah. And while you're there, obviously, you got to play against and see the likes of the GB Swans and the Irish Banshees, who will be also playing at IC17. Uh, what did you think of their skill and their play, and how tough do you think they'll be as opponents uh, if you meet them in the IC17 next month? Uh, well, they were both very good team. Like, um, we got beaten by the Irish team, and the Great Britain beat the Irish team. So we were all, probably all... Um, around the same level, kind of level, but um, I also know that the Irish team is not like truly the, the team that we're going to face in the uh, IC17 because um, most of their players are already in Australia, but they were already uh, a good team, so I just expect it to be even better and it's going to be a great challenge. And uh, same for Great Britain, yeah. And, of course, we're just weeks away from IC17 in Melbourne. For you, how does it feel personally that in a couple of weeks' time, you're coming back to Australia, you're coming to Melbourne this time to represent your country? Uh, well, it's uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, um, how can I say that? Um, well, I'm really looking forward to it, that's for sure. And... Like, uh, when I got the news that I was actually being selected for in the official squad for IC17, like, it seems surreal, and it took a few weeks, like, before it sinking. I mean, like, I really wanted it at the time, but I didn't really thought it, it could be achievable in my first year of playing footy. And uh, I've dreamt of representing Canada in basketball, but I had to forget that dream a long time ago um, because I was too short. I was... Um, Four, um, five foot four so yeah but so yeah it's really an honor to be selected in the squad to represent Canada and uh, I mean it's every athlete's dream to have the incredible chance to represent his country so I can't believe it's happening to me right now and I'm really excited I'm, I'm, I'm leaving in one week so I'm just preparing myself for that so yeah it's going to be cool. And, of course, you've already got some Canadians down here, as we've already spoken with. Valley Moreau is down here. We've got Jacqueline Halliday. We've got uh, uh, Leah Vance-Vennett is also here in Australia. Uh, when you come down, will you be just here for the two weeks or will you be staying on for a while longer? Oh, actually, I'll be uh, in Australia for 10 months. Um, after the IC, I intend to travel like a month 
and a half, and then I go three weeks in California to finish by San Diego for the U.S. Nationals, and then I I come back to uh, Australia for six months in Perth. I have a research internship over there, and I would like to to join a team uh, and try uh, and and train with them for the this well, it's their half season, but I uh, I want to make the most of, the make the most of it and. Uh, and yeah, and get to be playing with the player that I've been playing for the for the whole year, uh, their whole life. Sorry. So, so obviously, if there's a Perth-based WAWFL team out there looking for a player, and I guess they always are, uh, you're ready to put your hand up and pull on a jumper for them. Uh, I would be ready to to do that, but I don't think I'm good enough yet to for that, but. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, from what we saw at the Nationals last year, and people can watch the video online of you playing for the uh, Boston-Montreal combination, you show plenty of talent, no doubt. I think you will slip easily into one of those teams. Caroline, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best with your journey down to Australia and playing with the Canada Northern Lights in IC17. Well, thank you for calling me. It was nice to you. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, so it was cool. Thanks. And a quick note as well that we'll be doing a preview on each of the teams playing in the women's division of the AFL International Cup on our website in the days counting down to the International Cup. Just keep an eye on girlsplayfooty.com. Our next guest was a former netballer with the Melbourne Vixens and New South Wales Swifts. She's now a key ruck for the Geelong Cats in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. It's great to have on the line Erin Hoare. Erin, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the line. Let's talk about your footy journey. Now, you actually first picked up the footy, didn't you, back as a teenager in high school? Yes, that's right. We, um, well, I grew up playing footy with my brothers and whatnot. I'm having a bit of a kick here and there, but um, proper actual games was just in secondary school. Um, so we had our once-a-year tournaments playing against other schools and always thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, but other than that, that's sort of my only football experience prior to this year. Of course, this is going back some 10 years or more since the AFLW era. Was it just a case you never followed it up because at that stage you just didn't think the pathways were there and I guess it was seen as netball was the girls' sport? Oh, I always enjoyed my netball, that's for sure. Um, I think I probably wasn't aware of opportunities, and I'd say it's probably a really similar story among other players who've crossed codes. Is, um, yeah, just never really followed up um, the opportunity to play. Um, yeah, which has obviously changed a whole lot now. And, of course, you were out Geelong way. You played with the Geelong Cougars uh, in netball there, and then you've got scouted to play uh, for the Melbourne Vixens and then a couple of years later with the New South Wales Swifts. Um, Can you tell us what that experience was like and the professionalism that's behind netball? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess my journey into elite netball was somewhat atypical. I sort of played community sport um, as a as a young girl and then into early adulthood as well. So I never played sort of rep netball growing up. Um, so when I was 22, I played my first year of state league netball, which is sort of our, our main league here in Victoria. Um, and then in the same year, got picked up as a rookie for Melbourne Dixon. So I was 23 when I was a rookie, which is considered pretty old. <laughs> um and yeah, the experience of playing elite netball, it was, um, oh, it was amazing. I mean, I hadn't been exposed to anything like that before. Um, it is semi-professional. Um, so we're con- we were contract, I was a contracted athlete. Um, and, um, 
yeah, um, amazing experience training-wise um, and then obviously a lot of travel involved with the sport. Um, you know, obviously uh, a lot of differences compared to footy in terms of um, the game itself. Um, but in terms of experiencing a professional, semi-professional sport for women at that level was a really great experience for me. Now, before we talk about how you joined the Geelong Cats, let's just take a step forward for a moment. You've seen netball and its professionalism. You've seen football now and its professionalism inside an AFL club at Geelong. Um, Are the hours commitment fairly similar between both sports? Mm, Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think playing VFLW, uh, we're not obviously contracted athletes, so we train out of hours. Um, in saying that, for netball, we are um, to train out of hours as in, you know, after 4pm during the day and whatnot. Um, so in that sense, it's quite similar. In terms of weekly hours, um, you know, it is quite similar. I think at the AFLW level, it would certainly be more comparable, um, given it's that next level up uh, in terms of elite sport. Um but I guess the sessions are pretty similar. You know, the gym work's quite similar. Um, the skills required for football and netball are a lot different. So the actual content, the training programs is quite different. Um, but, yeah, I would say there are a lot of similarities. And for yourself personally, how do you handle that, the commitments, uh, training as an amateur footballer at Geelong, and I believe you work as a public health researcher? Yes, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I tend to manage it really well. I think everyone does when you love it um, as much as we do, um, which is, of course, why we play. Um, so, uh, yeah, I work as a, I finished off my PhD last year. So I was fortunate to gain employment in research, um, and it works really well for me. Um, I think that there's a lot of maybe what could be perceived as sacrifices, um, but we, when you love the sport as much as we do, you um, just, just make it work. Um, so, yeah. Then, of course, the Geelong Cats uh, late last year took over the North Geelong licence and were stepping into the VFLW and they put the call out for players. They had a tryout day, etc. How did you end up uh, taking up the opportunity to play for the Cats? Yeah, so I, I came along a little bit after those tryouts. Um obviously saw uh, the popularity of the AFLW and um, saw what was happening in football and and also knew about um, the Geelong team growing momentum and, and plans to join VFLW. Um, I have a, a good um, netball friend from Geelong who cross codes as well and I had chatted to her and, and heard about her experiences and, and what the game and the training was like and um, particularly what the coaching and the girls were like, the team, her teammates, and um, was really keen to join after hearing about it. So, um, yeah, just um, got some info and then ended up heading down to a few sessions and then it went from there. And since you've transferred across from netball to football, what have they tried to focus on to obviously get your body right for the game? Has it been more strength training they've looked at? Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, again, I think any any um, any girl that's it's cross codes would probably say just developing the basic skills has been really important. Um, kicking a footy doesn't um, come naturally when you've been throwing a netball around for so many years. Um, so certainly getting those basic skills um, down pat and continuing to develop those uh, to a level that's you know competitive at, at this level um, has been really important. And then strength-wise, absolutely, it's a, it's of course a physical game. Um, and building that strength and, and muscle has been a focus, I think, for all of us. Um, but then, of course, yeah, depending on where you play in the field and I guess, Rock, I guess any position you need to be strong, don't you? But, um, yeah, no, that has been a focus for me. 
And, of course, uh, you are at the moment one of the starring rucks of the Geelong Cats side. Because you've been in the, even though as an amateur footballer, you're in that AFL club environment, have they given you a specialist coach to work with and try and take you aside and focus week by week and trying to improve your technique? You've certainly got the reach at 194 centimetres, but obviously <laughs> but obviously, trying to make sure that you can make uh, the most effective tap-outs possible. Yeah, well, I know being tall is an advantage, but you always have to know how to use it, don't you? <laughs> so you can always do some coaching. And, um, yeah, we've got a great midfield coach, uh, David Morgan at Geelong. Um, and, yeah, in, in terms of the club itself, the facilities and the support we've received has been absolutely phenomenal, absolutely incredible. Um, and we are super grateful for that and obviously making use of all those facilities. Um, so, yeah, our coaching our coaching staff are super supportive, super knowledgeable, um, and they're helping prepare us for each game um, individually and as well as as a team. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for the support they've given me and, and I'm sure all the girls would say the same. And for the Cats as well, you're flying this season at the moment. You're sitting in sixth position, and particularly for the girls that played for North Geelong last year where they were second last, it's certainly uh, it's been a better season for them. And at the moment, you're only just one game shy of the top four. Yeah, it, it has become quite close at this stage of the season. Um, I'm sure, yeah, any any player would say we sort of take each week at a time, um, but it is a goal of ours to be playing finals and we'll continue to work towards that and hopefully achieve that too. Of course, your next match coming up in about a week and a half time, you're taking on uh, the Darabin Falcons, who are currently second, but of course have won uh, nine out of the last 11 flags of champion team. What does it mean for you personally to take on a side of that calibre? And also, you'll be going up against Rucks, for example, as Lauren Pierce, who's obviously been a Melbourne recruit, and Astor O'Connor, who's a Western Bulldogs recruit. What does it mean for you to take them on? Yeah, sure. I've got super respect, obviously, um, for any of our opponent, opponents, regardless of the team. Um, it'll be a great experience. We've certainly gelled a lot better together ourselves as a team. Um, you know, again, um, playing each game and, and getting to know the style of play of each each um, each area of the field and each individual player. Um, so we'll prepare, we'll watch some footage and we'll, we'll make sure that we um, come in and, and have a great contest on that day. And of course, for you personally, at the moment, you do actually qualify under the rules to be uh, taken as a rookie because you're a, a cross-code athlete. Now, we don't want to give the game away and mention any clubs, but uh, has there been feelers put out to you at the moment from sides saying, would you be interested in playing for us at AFLW level? Yeah, I think I think you'd find it hard to find a player who wouldn't say they weren't interested in playing AFLW. Um, I, at the moment, of course, my focus is the uh, VFLW season with Geelong, um, and then whatever comes on after that, um, I'll welcome the opportunity with open arms, but get to it when I get to it. Indeed, and it's still, uh, I guess, uh, several months away before you can actually, if not taken as a rookie, put your name down on paper for the draft. Yes, yes, and I, I think I must say we're all sort of getting used to that process given it is still somewhat quite new. Um, but, yeah, as I said, focus right now is Geelong and, and contributing to the success of our team. And before we let you go, when you're out there in the park, you're playing with players such as Matty Boyd, who uh, was Melbourne now be playing for GWS, Melbourne's uh, Lily Mithen and also uh, uh, Rochelle Cranston. Do, do you pinch yourself at times going, hang on, I'm actually out here with the girls that are currently playing AFLW? 
absolutely, absolutely pinch myself. And um, and some of the things that you see them do, you sort of look twice and you think you've seen a bit of magic. <laughs> they're, they're, they're amazing players. They're amazing people. And I've personally learnt a whole lot from them um, in trainings and especially in games when, when it all comes together. And, and yeah, they're, they're amazing athletes and, as I said, amazing people too. Well, Erin, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best throughout the remainder of the VFLW season and uh, your hopes and dreams of making AFLW 2018. Good on you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, since we're on the subject of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition, let's take a look back at what happened in Round 9. And I've got on the line our lead caller from girlsplayfooty.com in Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Oh, I'm very good, Pete. Another big weekend in the VFL Women's Competition. Uh, just as we head into a bit of a midwinter bye, which looking at the weather, it's come at a great time. Of course, uh, last Saturday we're at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. Uh, we did the only game of the day, which was a second versus third battle, and uh, the gap between the two sides couldn't be more obvious. Darabin comfortable winners. Yeah, 11 8 74 defeating the Spurs 4 1 25. An impressive performance of sorts, I think, for Darabin. One way that I think we put it during the call was that they won, but they won ugly, which we all know that's what good sides do. It wasn't an impressive performance. It wasn't an emphatic performance, but they ticked all the right boxes, um, Darabin, in that game and have well and truly asserted themselves as one of the genuine contenders once again, even though I think earlier in the year we were beginning to question mark just how far they could potentially go in 2017. For the Spurs side of things, Probably about where they're at, unfortunately. Um, they were good in the first term. I think they started the game, well, they got the first goal um, uh, with a quick one over the top but um, and applied good tackling pressure. I think that, that was a standout for me, certainly in the first term. It was bits and pieces in the second term, but after halftime, um, they just couldn't maintain that pressure and unfortunately for them, fell away. Geelong and Cranbourne met at Osborne Park. It was a curtain raiser to the North Geelong AFL Goldfields match, and the Cats just went about their merry way. Second win in a row for the Cats and just keeps them knocking on the door of uh, the top four potentially. It's going to be a tough ask and they're going to need results to fall their way. But um, they're certainly just keeping a watching brief to see if anything does hit a a speed bump up ahead towards the top end of the ladder. But uh, another good performance for... For the Cats, uh, 11 672 to 4 226. And I suppose the the thing to come out of that game is just how whether, whether Cranbourne might be able to get a win because when, in a game that um, we'll, we'll review in a moment, uh, they may be facing a competition in a couple of weeks' time um, with Box Hill. Um, and I just don't know whether they'd be able to get over the line in that one. They're not looking a, a convincing side at the moment, which is disappointing and we've already talked about them enough this year with the the injuries to that side and and the inexperience that's uh, not helping them. But uh, all good news for for the Geelong Cats. They've re-found some form over the last couple of weeks. At Main Oval, Melbourne University, as part of our Sunday match of the day, the Sharks 64-42 to over Melbourne Uni. Taylor Harris making an impact, but in the midfield. Moho, one goal, but fairly quiet up forward. 
Yeah, it was uh, the big one, wasn't it? Uh, it had been slowly building up over the course of the week. No hope against their old side, Taylor Harris, coming into the Sharks as, as the prized recruit. But uh, not making the impact on the scoreboard. In fact, uh, it was an oldie and a, a newie at uh, St Kilda that probably stole the limelight on the, the scoreboard. Madison Gay having another big impact, four goals from her. And Phoebe McWilliams, uh, haven't seen too much of her throughout 2017 for the Sharks, of course, played for GWS earlier in the year in the AFLW, uh, contributed with two goals. But uh, Gay is certainly impressive. Um, stars or young stars uh, of the competition at the moment for the Sharks. And for Melbourne Uni, this is a real danger period now because they've dropped outside the top four. I think our very own uh, Nick, Nick Rapontis uh, has reported that it's the first time since early 2012 that they've dropped out of the, the top four in women's football. So it's a, a very long stint. Uh, Hopefully for them, it's a blip on the radar, although the last couple of weeks, they've looked very, very, very flat, which is a little worrying. At Mulgrave Reserve, Diamond Creek got off to a slow start, but overcame the Eastern Devils by 37 points in the end. Yeah, what you'd ex- expect, Diamond Creek, uh, they, are, they are clinical, um, and they're not going to leave you any breathing room whatsoever. Unfortunately, the... Difficult season for the Eastern Devils continues uh, well and truly now. Out of finals contention, I think they'd be looking at flooding some of their younger stars, um, hoping to get a few games into them, preparing themselves for 2018. Now, good to see Jamie Lambert kick two goals. And on the other side of things, it was a range of goal kickers for Diamond Creek, led by Chloe Malloy and Steph Kiochi. And uh, the final game saw Box Hill and Seaford. In the end, it was a four-point win to Box Hill. I'm not sure if you've seen the video replay of it, but, geez, it was a cruel way for uh, Seaford to lose. Yeah, only a, a four-point margin. I think the goal was kicked in the last two minutes by Stratton to get them over the line, I believe, and, uh, and, Box Hill. And she received a mark from an errant Seaford kick in the back line. A hurry kick out of the pack virtually went straight down her throat. Oh, that it, it's in a way it unfortunately sums up Seaford's season. They just haven't been able to click when when required, and and the weekend was another opportunity that went begging. Scores level at three quarter time. It could have gone either way, and it was close right throughout the afternoon, which I think we were expecting a low scoring affair. Um, the the skill wouldn't be as high as some of the other games in the competition, but uh, it was exciting and. It, it was a history-making moment for the Box Hill Hawks, their first win in the VFL women's competition um, after nine games finally getting on the board for them, which is fantastic. For Seaford, on the other hand, it's looking very much likely now that they'll probably go through 2017 without a win, which, considering where they were shaping up towards the end of last year, would be very disappointing. And I believe uh, Sarah Hosking may have suffered an injury in that match too, which just makes things a little bit worse for the Tigerettes. The two sides will meet again in the final round at RF Miles Reserve in Seaford. You'd be wanting to hope that the Tigerettes can get up and about over the line for that one. Well, just before we let you go, of course, uh, no VFLW this weekend. Uh, everyone having a buy round, then we'll be back the weekend after. 
But having a look at the three sides that seem to be jockeying for that final uh, spot in the top four at the moment, uh, Spurs just leading a percentage from Melbourne Uni and then uh, Geelong one win back from them. Melbourne Uni seem to have the softer draw on the way home, but um, they do have in their mix uh, Eastern Devils, uh, the Spurs and Diamond Creek. Uh, if they lose two of those, then they're starting to look a bit shaky. But if they only drop the one, then they're good as in. Uh, for the VU Western Spurs, uh, literally, they do have another date with Melbourne Uni. They've got to win that. Plus, they also ironically have a date with Geelong along the road, and they've got to win that as well to uh, help start securing up their spot in the top four. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it, that we're talking about Melbourne Uni in the way that we are considering, uh, well, maybe a fortnight, a little bit more ago, they were right up the pointy end of the ladder, um, jostling for, for the top spot against Diamond Creek, but a week and a half ago, it just seems extraordinary, and it just goes to show how close the competition is in 2017, that a side that's... I've rated very much so for the first part of the, the season as the side to beat in 2017 is now facing the prospect of potentially missing out on the top four if results don't go their way. And as alluded to in the, the review of the Sharks-Muggers um, game, the, the worrying trend at the moment is that they do look very flat. We know that uh, Emma Carney and Ali Blackburn, the two superstars of the Muggers side, haven't had much breather. And when you look at some of the other sides in the competition that have been resting their AFLW players, that's, at the moment, that seems to have been the right approach because they're all just starting to click into gear, and especially probably Darabin's the, the most obvious one there. But as you say, for the Spurs, um, they're, they're in an interesting spot. I, I don't think they'd be able to challenge any of the sides above them if they were to make the finals. I think the Darabin game showed that on the weekend. They're just lacking that little bit of experience, the little bit of polish, and probably the structure as well to match uh, the Darabin side, which I think all, all comes with just more games under their belt, more time together as, as a team. So I don't think they'd be able to trouble them. I don't think Geelong would be able to trouble uh, some of the, the Diamond Creek or, or Darabin, maybe push the Sharks uh, probably level in terms of development with the Spurs, and uh, I think Melbourne Uni is still a step ahead of them as well just, on their day. Just curiously with the Geelong Cats, um, five out of five or four out of five uh, for them makes things interesting. They've got Darabin up next, which we'd have to put Darabin easily in the favourites column. But on the run home, they've got the Box Hill Hawks, which we'd have to give a tick to the Geelong Cats. And then they've got three possible coin flip games. They play the VU Western Spurs on their deck at St Mary's Oval, a morning game in Geelong, which may favour them. And then due to a quirk of the fixture, in round 13 and round 14, home and then away, they play the Eastern Devils back-to-back. Yeah, and if they are serious at, at making finals, they'd need to win both of those. And going on the, the Devils' performances this year, um, I think you could, you could almost pencil them in, um, but they'd have to win... I think if if they are if they were to make the top four and be a genuine threat, they'd have to beat the Spurs. They'd have to beat Eastern Devils in those two games, and they'd have to at least push Darabin. 
indeed, because a big loss to Darabin can also affect the percentage to keep them out of the four. Matthew Cox, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks' time when we're back with more VFL action. Yeah, looking forward to the, to the weekend off and defrosting heading into the back part of July. Let's continue our State League's wrap by having a look at the AFL Tasmania State League women's competition. Uh, they've got round nine coming up this weekend, just the two games on, both on Sunday, one at 12 o'clock at Twin Ovals, where Tigers host Launceston, and at 2 p.m. at KG5, where Glenorchy hosts the Clarence Football Club. In the WAWFL, they had round 14 on the weekend, just the three games played, where East Perth didn't get on the scoreboard against the Perth Angels, who racked up 10-19-79. Thunderbirds 2-3-15 went down to East Fremantle 15-9-99 while Claremont 4-4-28 were defeated by the Coastal Titans 10-8-68 Looking ahead to round 15 in WAWFL we've got the four games on Sunday at 12 o'clock West Perth hosts East Perth at HBF Arena 2 o'clock at Carlisle Reserve the Perth Angels host South Fremantle 2 o'clock at Grenville Reserve Coastal Titans host Peel Thunderbirds at 2 o'clock at Still Blue Oval Swan Districts host East Fremantle. Time to find out what's happening in the Adelaide Footy League women's competition and I've got on the line Alison Schiller from the Two Crows podcast. Alison, how are you? Absolutely fantastic, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. Not too bad. Before we have a look at the Adelaide Footy League uh, women's division one for this week, of course there was no footy last week, round seven coming up this week and we'll get your tips. But first of all, uh, your thoughts on the AFLW state of origin that's going to happen on September 2nd. How I see it, it's Victoria versus the rest of Australia. Here's how Aussies even couldn't put up a full team. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Peter. Well, for starters, I mean, they didn't ask my opinion on it, so I'm a bit disappointed, I must say, because obviously, you know, we hold a fair bit of sway over here. But I think it's just that Victorian mentality of us versus the rest of the world to make yourselves feel better. If, if, that, if I can be so bold with that. But, well, well, if you didn't have a Victorian Sarah Perkins, the Crows would never have won the flag. Oh, well, she did pick one on the day, to be fair, she did. Um, But I'd like to think that maybe an Aaron Phillips, probably a Chelsea Randall, had quite a big impact during the game as well, wouldn't you think? Yeah, but Chelsea Randall was a West Aussie. You can't claim her. Oh, I can if it's an Allies team. Isn't that what you're saying? (laughs) Well, listen, if we could have, let's face it, if we could have a field of just um, 16 on field of Aaron Phillips's, I think we'd do okay as a state. Wouldn't you agree? Well, if we have 16 Daisy Pierces, we might go okay too. Yeah, we might do all right, but... I'll stick with the Phillips, thank you very much. Now, I want to talk about Two Crows quickly, um, not just the podcast, but Two Crows players. Uh, of course, uh, in October, so they've got some fundraising things coming up. Yeah, so just to show the sort of toughness that the Crows are instilling in their players, even if they do come from interstate, Peter, just to you know, mention that again, um, Chelsea Randall is just doing a simple Kokoda trail, um, just as a little warm-up to the main season, so... Being as tough as she is, her and her father Brett and her brother Scott are off to Dakota and they're actually, um, can, you can sponsor them um, at give.everydayhero.com and that's for the Little Heroes Foundation under the Adelaide Crows Children's Foundation, so supporting sick children. And conversely, uh, a Victorian um, that's playing for the Crows, Sarah Perkins, will actually be doing base camp at Mount Everest uh, in October as well, so... I'd like to say that's their mini pre-season, um, just to sort of get them up to scratch. 
and she's also doing that for the Coast Children's Foundation as well. So congratulations on both those players for doing that. Let's look ahead to the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1. Round 7 is this weekend. Two games on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. On Saturday at Salisbury Oval, it's the Magpies hosting the Bloods. Yeah, this one will be an absolute ripper. Uh, there will be more of some of the AFLW players, but in saying that, Salisbury coped um, wonderfully without them. Um, and if they would have kicked straight, they would have absolutely blown the other team off the park. So this one, again, Salisbury's had a good run of uh, games at their home oval. And it, this is basically a battle for second position on the ladder. Uh, the team's anything separating at the moment is percentage. So Salisbury and Westies. Um, Salisbury would be without Chelsea Randall. Um, I'm not sure about Jess Sedge or Alan, but I know uh, that Chelsea's overseas at the moment on holiday. And for Westies, they will definitely be without Rihanna Metcalf because... She's in Greece at the moment, so I don't think she'll get back for the game. This one is probably one of the tougher ones to pick. I'm going to pick Salisbury for the home ground advantage, but Westies were pushing very hard uh, when I last on playing against Morphy Roos. It could go either way. At University Oval, 7 o'clock Saturday night, Adelaide Uni hosting Morfordville Park. Yeah, this one probably a bit easier for me to pick. I think Adelaide Uni um, having a game on their home turf, I'm thinking they're going to take care of the Morphe Roos, although the Roos have picked up in their intensity and uh, playing style, but I think Adelaide Uni too strong all year. I think they'll continue on in their merry way. Sunday, 3 o'clock at Aldi Arena, the Port Adelaide Magpies hosting Modbury. Yes. Um, this one will be interesting because not only Modbury without Chloe Shear, uh, as you mentioned in your article, um, it killed, they also could be without Monique Hollick. So, Port Modbury is still yet to, to win a game. Uh, Port Adelaide have been very up and down. The last time they played, they got absolutely um, shellacked and did not play the way they had been in previous weeks. Modbury could be in for a huge upset here if they do everything right. But oh, I, I probably can't go past Port Adelaide for this one down at Audi Arena. Peter? Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you next week as you review Round 7 of the Adelaide Footy League Women's Competition. Thanks very much for having me, Peter. Taking a look at Round 14 that was played on the weekend of the UNSW AFL Canberra Women's League, and the Ainsley Tricolors 9-11-65 to feed the Cootamundra Blues one behind. Gungarland Jets 5-8-38. Tied with Crimbian Tigers, 6-2-38. So a draw there. Balcona Magpies, 15-12-102 to fed Tungredong Hawks, three behinds. While Malungalo Juggernaut, 7-7-49, got over the ANU Griffins for 7-31. East Lake Demons with the bye. Looking ahead to round 15 action, it kicks off on Friday night, 7pm at Kingston Oval with East Lake Demons hosting the ANU Griffins. Saturday, 10 o'clock, Balcona Magpies host Quimbian Tigers. 12 o'clock on Saturday, Riverina Lions host the Malungalo Juggernaut. And 1 o'clock on Sunday, Gungarland Jets host the Mundra Blues. Time to find out what's been happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. You had round 13 in AFL Sydney. Uh, you started with an early game at Mahoney Park, and it was the breakaways doing a number on the Western Wolves. Yeah, look, a fantastic game by Newtown uh, to win their third match of the season, 10-10-70, uh, to the Wolves' four straight 24. 
Cody Briggs uh, had a day out at forward for the breakaways, kicking six goals, and was named their best player, whilst Laura, Laura Holdsworth kicked three of her own. Uh, Brooke Adkins kicked two for the Wolves, and Furness was uh, the best on ground for the Wolves. In the top of the table battle, it was the Stingrays getting the honours over the Bombers. Yeah, the Stingrays won eight five fifty three to Sydney Uni four one twenty five, and the win uh, puts the Stingrays in first place on the ladder, and it also handed the Bombers their first loss of the season. The Stingrays kicked two goals to none in the first quarter, four goals to two in the second, which set them up nicely at half time. Uh, the Stingrays kicked two goals in the third quarter and none in the last, but they'd done enough early on to get the win there. At University Oval, sadly, the Southern Power weren't any match for Macquarie University. Yeah, it was a massive win to make uni, 16-1612 to Powers, three behinds. After a tight first quarter where McUni scored two goals to the Powers one point, the game really broke open in the second quarter with the Warriors scoring six goals and snuffing out any hope of a Power victory. Uh, had it not been for some wayward kicking, the marginal could have actually been much greater. As we said, 16 behinds kicked there by the Warriors. And the loss effectively ends the Powers' hopes of making finals uh, for the second year running. At Mona Park, it was another win for the Auburn Penrith Giants, this time beating the UTS Shamrocks. Yeah, a really solid win there for Auburn, uh, 7-7-49 to 2-5-17. It was a close first quarter with the scores tied at 13 apiece. However, the Giants edged away uh, by half-time with a 10-point lead. Uh, they had a three-goal to zip the third quarter, uh, putting the Giants in a comfortable position at the final break, and they uh, kicked one more goal in the final term to run out the game with a 32-point victory. So, Lauren, how does the ladder look at this stage after 13 rounds of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division? Yeah, so as I mentioned, uh, the Stingrays are now on top uh, with that win over Sydney Uni on the weekend. Uh, so we see Sydney Uni, first loss of the season, uh, go to second on the ladder. Both teams have a very healthy percentage, though. Uh, then you've got uh, a few games behind them. Uh, four games behind them in third place is Macquarie Uni, uh, and they look to have consolidated their, uh, their spot in the finals. Uh, unless there's some shock results in the last few weeks. You have Auburn Penrith Giants in fourth. Uh, UTS Shamrock's on fifth with four wins and a draw. So they've had a fairly good uh, first season in the Premier Division. Southern Power, after winning uh, quite a few games early on, have had a bit of a uh, second or mid-season and second-half form slump, and uh, sitting in six on four wins. Newtown have had uh, a few wins in the last month on three um, in seventh place, and the Western Wolves uh, are last in eighth place on one win. So not the season they were hoping for, um, but I think it's probably been, apart from obviously the top two teams dominating, it's probably been one of the more even uh, seasons in Sydney women's footy for quite some years, Peter. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to catching up with you next week when we preview Round 14. Looking forward to it, Peter. Time now to head up north to Queensland and find out what's been happening in the Bond University QWAFL. And I've got on the line our Queensland footy guru in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Fabulous. Thank you, Peter. Always uh, always good up here in Queensland. And some good footy as well, particularly in two games. Let's focus on the first one. There was a Giffen Park, a one-point thriller going the way of Cooparoo. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a... It ended up being a fantastic game in the end. Um, Cooper getting getting over the line by uh, by a sole point. Um, you know, it was 
was a game that everyone was hoping for, and I, these were two of the two of the sides that a lot of people were were picking to to um, make the final. Uh, some some were picking. Everyone was picking Yeronga, but uh, Cooper to go go all the way as well. Some have been predicting so, and uh, yeah, they showed why on the weekend. And um, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. Yeronga just just needing uh, Cooper, sorry, just needed to put it together, um, and they've been. Slowly chipping away each week, so they're they're the ones that are looking red hot coming towards the finals and building for a really strong campaign. Um, you're wrong; they're still still missing a few players, um, which I'm expecting will will boost their team and their chances pushing into the finals. Um, come that time, they still had some quality girls uh, in. Um, Bates played, McCarthy played, um, Aishman has been playing really well for them. Played Burgo played hasn't played a lot of footy this year, and we know how good she was from the Lions. Um, but you're wrong missing some, some young guns who uh, were away uh, for the championships, as you know. But, yeah, probably a good look at what potentially could be a, uh, a grand final preview there, Peter. At uh, peak oval, they couldn't separate Coolangatta, Tweed and Wilson Grange. Yeah, so that was our second really close game for the weekend. Coolangatta uh, and Wilson. Wilson getting over a Cooley earlier on in the year. Um, Cooley were... We're out to amend the score, but just couldn't get the job done um, in the end. Um, and obviously proving, uh, yeah, <laughs> on the, I'm not actually sure exactly how that went down um, at, at down the coast. I wasn't there for that game, but geez, it would have been would have been would have been interesting going down to the wire there. Um, at Wilson Kazlar playing really well. Lutkins, who as you know is a lion centre half back, in, in career best form. Um, frankly, put career best form uh, for her, um, and she had a really strong game again for for Wilson. The game finishing there at six five forty one apiece, and in the other game as predicted, uh, the Yuku Red Lions having a bit of a training run against uh, the Zilmir Eagles. Yeah, so again, uh, probably to be to be expected there, um, Peter and and, and and Zilmir will keep keep chipping away at that and. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I think UQ probably probably needing the uh, the percentage boost. Actually, as you can see, if you have a look at the ladder, it's, it's nothing much separating now the top uh, top five sides. Um, as we know, only the top four play. So UQ are really pushing for that that final spot. Who realistically could be could be almost fighting out with just about every anyone at the moment. Um, you know, even Yeronga now dropping dropping two games that have been unexpected so far this season. Um, you know, I'll be wanting to stay in that top two. So yeah, percentage could could end up proving vital for UQ with that win over uh Look, looking ahead to round fifteen action, all games on Saturday. Uh two o'clock in the afternoon, an early start at Callahan Park as uh, Zilmir playing host to Cooperoo. Yeah, so this will probably be um uh, yeah, again, it could, could be a bit of a percentage booster here for, for Cooper, but also give him a chance to, to rest some of the stars um, coming into the final rounds. The finals are, are approaching us and, and uh, coming in really quick. Can't believe it's that time of year already, um, Peter. But, yeah, I'll be expecting Cooper to, to run out strong winners uh, in this game. At uh, quarter to five, uh, UQ Red Lions hosting Yeronga South Brisbane. Yeah, so this I'd say is the match of the round here. Uh, gives UQ another shot, um, you know, at probably what what is uh, expected by all the, be- the benchmark of the competition this year in Yeronga. Um, and oh, look, oh, 
if, if they're going to get him at any time, Teddy, you'd probably assume that this could be it um, for UQ. And they've been playing some good footy um, last couple of weeks. So, look, hard to tip. Um, I'm actually going to tip UQ um, to win this game in, in another close one. I'd say it's going to be decided by under 10 points, um, but UQ in a really close game. And also at quarter to five, uh, Wilston Grange hosting Maroochydore. Yeah, so again, this will this will give give Wilson uh, another shot um, at, at, at proving themselves um, again. I think I think uh, Maruchi have been on the improve. They're going to get a couple of their girls back from the under 18s competition. They've got a few representatives uh, that went away for that. Um, I think they'll be coming back full of confidence. Uh, Gemma Abbott, one of one of uh, Maruchi Door's rising stars, uh, was named North Australian side, so she'll she'll. She'll have a bit to play for and, and uh, stepping up against the, the bigger bodies is what she's going to need to prove um, to do. She's going to be wanting to get selected in AFLW in years to come. So um, she'll have a bit to play for. Maruch will have a bit to play for. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it could be a bit closer than, than what what uh, the last game was between those two sides. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we look forward to catching up with you next week to talk more Bond University QWAFL. No worries, as always. Thanks for having me, Peter. And just before I go, a quick reminder that there'll be no VFLW match of the round this weekend due to a competition bye. We'll be back with two games of footy in the last weekend of July when we bring in the Spurs versus the Tigerettes and the Creekers versus the Sharks. Do join us then. Otherwise, we've got another show coming up next Wednesday around about quarter past six on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne or just keep checking online via SoundCloud or iTunes for the Girls Play Footy podcast. I'm Peter Holden. It's been a privilege having your company. Until then, it's bye for now.